I was like really looking for a way to be able to find people and connect with people outside of bars or going to parties. That's when the idea came. When you say you're focused on authenticity, what does that mean in practice? There were so many times during that period of time that I was just sure that we were done for. One user said her matches looked like they snuck onto Earth. Who's getting the most attention? That's actually going to build the greatest signal and help us find you, your person, much faster. Do you or does the algorithm try to steer people towards a paid subscription? Uh, Hello, I'm Ruth Umo, leadership editor and host of Fortune Executive Exchange. Today, I'm joined by Justin McLeod, the founder and CEO of the popular dating app Hinge, to discuss the online dating business, AI, and how he transformed the company from a $1 million revenue business to one that's projected to rake in a whopping $400 million by the end of 2023. Welcome, Justin. Delighted to have you here on Fortune Executive Exchange. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Let's kick things right off. Uh, the Oxford University Press announced earlier this week that Riz is the word of the year, short for charisma. How much Riz do you need to get attention on Hinge? Um, well, it's a. I don't know if I can use the word Riz as a millennial, but I'll say <laughs> I think you have to have a fair amount of. Um, I don't think you just have a fair amount of charisma per se, but I think it is very like personality forward. So we have things like prompts on Hinge that really try to showcase your personality and just because it gives a much better conversation starter, it's a much better hook, it's a much better um, gauge of compatibility. So it's a very personality forward app for sure. Yeah. You talk about compatibility. How do you determine compatibility? And we'll certainly dig into this a little bit more deeply. How do you determine compatibility between two users? Well, we're getting better at it all the time and uh, really excited about what AI can offer on that front. Ultimately, we're just we're looking at um, we're learning your your type over time based on who you like, who you pass on, who other people like and pass on, and because the profiles are so rich and people are so selective on Hinge, that's very quality data, and we can pretty quickly zero in and start to show people that we think um, are your type, that you're also their type. Because you have this treasure trove of data, so to speak, I would also presume that you're starting to sense some trends in terms of what does well on the app, who's getting the most attention. What are you seeing? Uh, we actually have a whole team called Hinge Labs, which just looks at um, you know, who's, like, who's having success on Hinge, who isn't, why, what's working, what's not. And there are a lot of tips and tricks and tactics that I'm I'm actually not the, the dating expert, but uh, the, the overall theme typically is that the more that you are just authentic, the more that you're willing to put up front and be a bit vulnerable and um, not necessarily try to get as many likes as possible, but try to get the right likes, you know, attract the right people, you know, deter the wrong people. Um, that's actually going to build the greatest signal and help us find you your person much faster. I want to talk more about the business. Before I do, you mentioned dating tips and tricks, what works, what doesn't. Let's focus on what works on the app. Well, like I said, I, mean, I think that the headline is the more like authentic and vulnerable you can be. There's a lot of um, things that um, you can read about from our expert, Logan Yuri, our, our, our relationship scientist, and she shares a lot about this. There's also a what works guide in the app. Um, but there's, there are definitely tips and tricks like, you know, for prompts, you want to you wanna answer with something that's unique and specific, longer than just a few words. For pictures, you want a diverse array of pictures. You want to show a nice clear headshot. You want to be able to show you doing an activity you love. Typically things where people can actually start a conversation with you. So just seeing a bunch of 
headshots in a row is like not really that useful. Ultimately, the best tip or trick is just think of someone imagining your profile, looking at your profile. Are they intrigued and do they have an entry point for a conversation? Let's talk Hinge itself. What led you to launch it? Did you see it as a viable business opportunity right from the outset? Uh, I was in business school at the time, so I think I was thinking like this is, and I, actually at the time I was imagining a bunch of different startup ideas because I was trying to enter a business plan competition. And then the idea for Hinge through a sort of random series of events just kind of hit me. And, and Walk I, us through that. Give us some specifics and color. Yeah, I was, so I was in my second year of business school. And, uh, and I think that the, I'll say that like overall, I feel like the search for connection has kind of been like the, a theme in my life. And, um, and romantic connection and like has been like a very big piece of it. And I had been dating on and off someone in college and uh, and she and I didn't work out in the end. And I and also during college, um, I was actually a very heavy like drinker and drug user and had like a pretty intense addiction problem. And so those two were very related. And on the day that I graduated, I stopped drinking. I like got sober. And then when I went back to business school, I just I had always relied on drinking and drugs in order to like, you know, have the courage to go out and meet people and it was my, it was the way that I socialized and I was just stuck. I didn't really know how to do that without that crutch and I just had trouble meeting people and I, and I actually reached out to my college girlfriend to try to actually like get her back and, and she turned me down and I was heartbroken and, uh, and I really just needed to, I was like really looking for a way to be able to find people and connect with people outside of like going out to bars or going to parties. And that's, that's kind of like when the, that's when the idea came. Were you using any apps at the time? Um, and if so, what gaps were you seeing? What elements did you see that were ripe for disruption in the online dating space? So yeah, so this was 2011. And so there were no, there were no, dating app wasn't a, even a term yet. Um, so none of the brands that I think most people use today existed. And the opportunity was was actually originally back in 2011 when I started. It was really trying to solve for online dating stigma because it was something that was on desktop. You filled out like very long, intense questions, usually paid a lot of money, and just people in their 20s and 30s really weren't doing that. Or if they were doing it, they weren't talking about it. And so the goal was actually to create something very simple and easy and lightweight and fun. It was all about introducing you to your friends of friends via Facebook. And um, the, the thesis and the, and the opportunity in the market was just, can we get 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds onto a product that is kind of just like a very easy one-click sign-on, feels very lightweight, use your real name instead of a screen name. All, like, all of those kind of innovations were yet to occur. Uh, certainly less sketchy than, than other dating platforms that existed at the time. You said that you launched uh, a little over a decade ago at this time. You didn't automatically, you know, skyrocket in terms of popularity. In fact, I'm someone who uses dating apps. I'm on Hinge. Uh, and it seems as though it was more recently that I began to hear about Hinge. So what happened, let's say, between 2011 and 2016, 2017, 2018, where it seems as though there was this proliferation in terms of people who are actually using Hinge? Yeah, it's, it, was a, it was a roller coaster. Um, a lot's happened since yeah, 2011 until today. And you know, we actually had some initial popularity, especially in big cities in 2013, 14. And, um, but then we were just so focused on the competition and um, 
other apps, especially Tinder, were, were becoming pretty big at the time. And we were just kind of copying them and trying to keep up. And our growth started to stall. And then I ultimately realized that that just like isn't the, wasn't really the app that I wanted to build either. And this article came out around that time called The Dawn of the Dating Apocalypse. And it was about how you know, dating apps had ruined dating culture and romance. And it was all about superficial kind of like hookup culture. And Hinge was featured pretty heavily in that article. And so I went back to my team and I was like, you know, I really, this isn't the company that I wanted to build. This isn't, and plus it doesn't seem like we're having that much success anyway. And I really just want to like tear it all down and rebuild it from scratch. And um, I was actually out having a conversation with my uh, head of marketing at the time. And she's like, well, what's stopping you? And I was like, I guess nothing's stopping me. And so I, I thought of, that was Thanksgiving. I thought about it and uh, over the holidays and then came back uh, at the end of the year and we decided to reboot Hinge, tear it down, like start over from scratch and build an app that was very, tried to be very differentiated and uh, differentiated because it focused on intentional dating around authenticity, around vulnerability, slow people down and appeal to users who were literally looking for their person. When you say you're focused on authenticity, when you say you're focused on vulnerability, what does that mean in practice, especially in relation to what Hinge was before that serendipitous movement in Thanksgiving? Well, at the time, Hinge was uh, you, you look at a photo and you say and you, an age and a name and you sort of say yes or no. I mean, it was Are they like, hot or not? <laughs> yeah, it, it was, there wasn't much more to it than that, like where they went to school, just like a couple of facts. And with the new Hinge, we really tried to get a lot more information from people, had people fill out prompts, had people add um, photos, but also stories to that we got the opportunity to add captions to your photos or um, post a photo in, re in response to a prompt. We got rid of just saying yes or no to people, but we had people actually engage with something that they liked about someone um, so that it made people more selective and thoughtful because you would actually comment on someone's photo or comment on someone's prompt and just make the whole process a little bit more organic and a little bit more human and um, and try to bring out people's personality more. Was that a pivotal transition for Hinge? It was hugely transformational and it was a really difficult and kind of wild ride, right? So in 20, How so? Well, in 2015, 2016, we're starting to slow down. So we I, I come together with the, with the board of directors and my senior team and we decided to do this reboot, which was a big question at the time because we just raised a lot of money and it was like, gosh, we're just going to like tear down and you know reboot the team and let go of half the team and throw away the whole code base so that was a big you know certainly like a pretty scary move at the time and there was a lot of debate and disagreement on the team and then we did that and we had this vision that we were going to build this new relationship app and we were going to do this have this new interface but we didn't know what it looked like yet and so then we spent the next six to nine months i feel like i was like you know, just wandering around the desert trying to, trying to like lead these people somewhere. And it wasn't clear that there was going to be an answer. And we finally landed on the pretty much the hinge that you see today. And but then when we launched that new hinge at the end of um, 2016, it wasn't a smashing success right out the gate. We were a, a brand new app uh, and we hadn't quite, quite worked out all the kinks and the recommendation algorithm and in the business model. And and so we were still even after launching, we were like declining in users. And, um, but we just kept at it. We kept tweaking, kept listening to users, and then we started to see it turn around. And so that was the, that's why I say it was a wild ride, because there were so many times during that period of time that I was 
just sure that we were done for. When did you see a reversal of fortune, so to speak? I mean, what was that really catalytic moment where you said, okay, this is what really took us on that upward swing up that upside roller coaster yeah, to I, use your metaphor? I wish there was like some like moment, yeah. but it was just, it was a thousand tiny little things that just slowly started to change the trajectory. And I think by the end of 2017, we just saw that we had a much more effective product. There was some really great core data. Like on the old hinge, you would have to send a thousand likes in order to get to a date. And on the new hinge, it was like 50. So we were 20 times more effective. Um, we saw people start to tell their friends. We saw that people were starting to say retain on the app. We saw people start to tell their friends. By 2018, we had secured some additional investment and started to be able to like add fuel to the fire with some marketing budget. Uh, we came out with our design to be deleted tagline. It was just all these little, you know, moments and I there, yeah there, there wasn't some like grand catalytic moment that kind of changed the fortune yeah it seems as there was small changes that compounded over time so to speak you mentioned that tagline as you said hinges purported mission is to get users to delete the app um, you say that you want users to go on better quality days how so how do you go from shallow connections to deeper more meaningful connections that ultimately lead to one delete in the app. Yeah, and the, well the biggest the biggest change that we made and most fundamental change is we we changed our North Star metric to just engagement in the app. So were people coming in, how many how much time are they spending in the app, like how many likes were they sending? All these kind of like very top of funnel traditional like user engagement metrics and we actually just changed everything to like does it generate more great dates? Um, we introduced the We Met feature where we asked people whether they went on a date or not. And then when we released features from then on, it was all about did you actually go on a good date or not? And that ended up, again, changing the whole um, interface that really focused on slowing people down, quality over quantity. Because if we got you a quick match, but it didn't lead to a conversation, or a conversation that didn't lead to a date, or a date, and you show up on the date and you realize two seconds in, like, oh my gosh, I've wasted my time, then that's not a success for us. And so it just led to a whole host of different design decisions as a result of focusing on the end user outcome, which is great dates, and not on where they're spending a lot of time in the app. Piggybacking off that question, um, you know, there are t numerous TikToks, especially more recently among Gen Z users, wherein users are lamenting their matches. Um, you know, one user said her matches looked like they snuck onto Earth, or obviously being <laughs> facetious here. Um, some others have said that it's decreased their self-confidence because they're getting matches with people who they wouldn't necessarily meet with or talk to in real life. What's your response to that, especially since this app is one you say is so deeply focused on compatibility? Yeah, and we, and we, and we are, and we're getting better all the time, and we're certainly not perfect. Uh, that said, you know, I think that dating has always been, you know, it's just, it's hard. Matchmaking is, is very hard. Dating is very hard. We're not like a tech product that you can, you know, like a music app or, you know, it's just, it's where you like click the button and it plays the song. It's not just a technical problem. It's a very deep and human problem. And it's one of the most intractable problems that people have been writing songs about <laughs> and uh, lamenting and writing books about and providing advice about for as time immemorial. So it's definitely a hard problem. And, um, but that said, I think that we do see in terms of effectiveness and efficiency overall in the app, like we are getting people out on great dates. Um, and that's why I think you're seeing that people generally today, they meet online more than anywhere else. It has become like the most effective 
uh, tool for people to meet. And are you seeing that across, which is kind of a great segue into my next question, are you seeing that increase across demographics, whether it's racial, gender, age, Gen Z versus millennials versus boomers? Like, talk to me about some of those demographics in terms of usage. Um, in terms of overall usage, sure. I mean, I, in terms of dating outcomes, which yeah. is again how we think about it, we see, uh, I, I don't know off the top of my head about age, like Gen Z versus older users, but we do have um, uh, equity audits and making sure that we see parity in end user outcomes across things like race. Um, and, uh, and so we are very aware of that. and. Um, and generally find parity across the app. Yeah, I think I'm more so asking just in terms of user demographics. What are you seeing in terms of its popularity? Are you seeing, for instance, you know, more millennials are using it versus their Gen X counterparts? Or are yep. you seeing men are more likely to subscribe to a premium tier versus women? What, what kind of data do you have? I mean, there's so many different ways to cut that and think about that data. But um, overall, what we've been seeing is that there's our biggest and fastest growing segment is Gen Z. So we originally were actually quite big with millennials and, and people who are kind of like 25 to 35. But now that 18 to 24 segment is our biggest and fastest growing segment. So we're, we're growing much faster with uh, Gen Z. I think they're really uh, sort of um, uh, interested in, like they, they align with our value set of slowing down a little bit, more authenticity, more vulnerability. This is a generation that kind of uses TikTok and not Instagram as much. And uh, so that is where we're seeing like the most of our growth right now. Has it been a targeted and conservative effort to, uh, you know, bring more of Gen Z onto the platform? Or is it just that they've reached that age where they are looking to settle down? Uh, we started to see some organic momentum and we doubled down on it with a, with a really solid focus, um, both in uh, marketing to, with, through uh, influencers and uh, creators, but also through campaigns like our Not Frequently Asked Questions campaign, which is a uh, campaign targeted at um, LGBTQ users and people who have questions about uh, dating as an LGBTQ person. So uh, I think things like that, where a generation that is uh, tends to be like identifying more as LGBTQIA+, those kinds of campaigns have really resonated. AI is the topic du jour right now. Um, Hinge is a relationship platform, but it's obviously also a tech platform. What role do you see generative AI play in, um, especially as you use it to determine compatibility and, you know, given the fact that it's very much based on an algorithm? Yeah, obviously something that we get, like, I think about a lot and we get asked a lot. I the. I think that there's going to be a pretty, it's a, I mean, it's a disruptive force to all industries. I think it's going to be that case for dating as well. And um, I think it provides a really interesting opportunity to help coach people through the process of, of dating. Like a lot of us are, are like great people to date, but maybe we're not good at online dating. We're not good at filling out a profile. We're not good at selecting the right photos. Um, we're not good at sort of the, the art of chatting someone into a date. Uh, and so I think there's a lot of opportunity to coach people through the process and also get a much more nuanced understanding of compatibility. Because right now, all we really understand is pe seeing people's profiles, which is like a very limited like, set of information about someone. And the more that we can engage people in conversation and have deeper understanding about what they're looking for and what they're not, the faster that we can zoom you in on the right person for you. I think of it overall like moving towards where we are today to something akin to like a personal matchmaker who 
understands you, who understands other people more deeply and makes much more curated matches and coaches you through the process. That's really interesting. I understand it from, you know, the stance of, you know, how fi finding compatibility between people. Okay, this person's interested in this, you're interested in this. There's a very good chance that you guys can bond over that. But in terms of coaching someone, it almost feels like cheating, right? Hmm. <laughs> like writing a resume where AI helps you and then you show up at the interview and the interviewer is thinking, you're nothing like you appeared online. So how do you solve for that discrepancy? Yeah, so we think a lot about authenticity and preserving because that's one of our core values you've heard me use that a million times in this interview already and uh, but there is a difference between I would say like you know writing someone's prompt for them or something like that which we certainly don't want to do that that would be inauthentic but some people are are great but they just need a little bit of nudge or a little bit of coaching on how to represent themselves better on a dating app and so I think that that's the the difference like helping you just choose the right photo for you that's we're not trying to misrepresent you or, or like add a filter or something like that. We're just trying to help you choose the best representation of yourself. Speaking of representation of oneself, uh, another topic I hear often, especially among the TikTok set, we'll call them, is that Hinge has an attractiveness score. Is that true? Uh, we don't really have an attractiveness score. We, we, uh, we have, for every single person, we have a sort of individualized taste profile of who you like and who likes you back. And what uh, makes up that taste profile? Uh, it's generally what I, what I was talking about before. We look at who you've liked and who's liked you and who you've passed on and who's passed on you. And that just gives us a sense generally using machine learning to understand like generally how likely are you to like someone and how, how much is someone likely to like you back. How then do you come up with standouts, the people who you can give roses to or pay to talk to if you get a premium subscription? Yeah, so your core discover the people that you are likely to like who are also likely to like you back and we really weight those things equally. Standouts are people that are um, a bit more weighted towards you're likely to like them versus they're likely to like you back, which is why we have you send roses because roses are 2x more effective at uh, actually getting you on a date. And so um, it really helps you put your best foot forward with these people. One thing I do want to talk about um, is, you know, Hinge has this subscription tier. We talk about the fact that you can send roses. Um, you also say that your mission at the end of the day is to get people to go on more dates. How do you balance the two, getting people to pay for subscriptions, but also saying that at your core, you know, you're just looking to simply get people to go on dates. Are they mutually exclusive? No, and we have a principle that like the free product is sacred and we um, really only charge for what we say we can't give away for free. So they're things that by their nature have to be scarce, like roses. Like if everyone had unlimited roses, then the rose wouldn't mean anything anymore. Or if everyone had unlimited boost, then a boost, if everyone boosted all the time, then no one would be boosted. Uh, or they're things that harm the ecosystem. Like we think that a lot of um, uh, some of like the preferences that people set actually limit them and they're not actually good for them. But if someone has like a real intention, they really want to set a preference, then, then they can upgrade to do that. But overall, what we're trying to do is we think the, the free product is great at getting people on dates. If you do want a leg up by using things that are that by their nature have to be scarce, then you can pay for those to have a have a, a better experience. Given that Hinge is a business at the end of the day, there has to be a business proposition, do you or does the algorithm try to steer people towards a paid subscription? Uh, n no, the algorithm does not try to, like, we, uh, like, how do I describe it? Like, there's not like the algorithm changes once you, um, 
uh, I'm trying to think about how to answer that question. It doesn't, there's no like designing of the algorithm to get you to pay. Yeah, I think, no. Is that the end goal for you? As, as a CEO, to get people to pay. I mean, to, right, as, as a business No, I mean, model. genuinely, yeah. like, the, what we found as a business yeah. is that when we help people get on more dates, we grow faster, and people tell their friends more. And so that kind of, like, overall user growth is the lifeblood of our company. And so if we were to trade that off by, like, limiting your experience by getting you to, like, just pay more money, that wouldn't be good for our overall long-term trajectory and long-term growth. Talk to me about who you are as a CEO. What is your leadership style? What have you learned over the last decade running a tech company, a tech platform? Ah, I don't know, where do I even begin? Uh, I've changed so much. I mean, I think one of the, I think one of the things that people say about me who work with me is that like, I'm on Justin version like 12.0. I think that I've like, I've, one thing that I'm is like very true about me is I take feedback very seriously. I'm like constantly in a in a state of like self reflection and continuous self improvement. I was so bad at being a CEO, so bad at product and marketing and pretty much everything when I started Hinge, and uh, I think over time through a lot of incremental improvement and self reflection and feedback, uh, I and persistence, which I'd say is like my probably number one quality. Yeah, that's how I've. I think that has been like the, the main key to success. In terms of your leadership strategy, I know you say that you are persistent. How would your direct reports describe you? Uh, that, I think, I think persistent. I think, um, you know, I am also very, uh, you know, I can be like quite exacting. I can be like very, um, I can hold a high bar. And, um, and I think that's another thing about me. And I also think though that I'm also like, very principle-based, very like all about helping coach my team and enable my team. I really have found that over time, if you hire the right people and you just give them the right nudges, like that's really, that's, that's the, that really is the um, like best thing that you can do as a leader. The secret sauce. I have to ask, do Hinge employees get free access to the premium tier? Uh, yeah, not only that, but they also get date stipends that they get um, once a month to go on a date. So how much yes. are we talking here? Nobu I, restaurants every. <laughs> I think it, was, it used to be two hundred. It might be a hundred now. It's either a hundred or two hundred dollars a month um, uh, that they can use to go on with with a date or their partner or a friend, yeah. but a one-on-one -on -one, um, date, and they have to tell us about it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, you are married, if I'm not mistaken. I am. Yeah. So how are you using the app and just getting firsthand feedback? We recently interviewed uh, Airbnb CEO, and so obviously he can go to Airbnbs and use it. It's a little different for you, I would presume. <laughs> yeah, I can't really be, which might be a good thing that yeah. like I'm not overweighting my own personal experience yeah. on the app. Yeah. I have to actually like experience it through talking with people, talking with users, um, looking at the data, uh, but. Yeah, probably maybe uh, better than I'm not overweighting my own experience using the app. In 2019, uh, Match Group acquired you. Um, it also has Tinder on the platform. How do you differentiate yourself from your counterparts? And also, what, what made you decide to, to sell? So we decided to sell, yeah, I think it was like, well, we had an initial investment from them in 2017. So after we did that reboot, like I was telling you that we weren't having a lot of success at first, but we were seeing some like really good signs in the like core numbers in terms of product effectiveness. And so while we were trying to raise money from venture capitalists, 
they were sort of looking at the overall user trend and they're like, this doesn't seem like a very good business. But Match Group, on the other hand, saw some of those early signs of success and, and um, how much we were resonating uh, with young people, especially women. And so they made investment in us in 2017 and then continued to invest in us into 2018 at the end of 2018 uh, or early 2019 uh, acquired us. And how do you stand out from your competitors who are all kind of under that match group umbrella? Uh, I mean, you know, I think between us and, and um, uh, Tinder, we're just like sort of at different ends of the spectrum and very complementary products. And a lot of people use multiple products, but Hinge is definitely the, the uh, intentional, you know, slow down, uh, try to find your person as opposed to something that's designed to be kind of casual and fast and fun. Are you on your competitor apps just to see what they're doing or do you? Honestly, no, not yeah. at all. And that's like okay. a huge change that we made in 2016 was yeah. to not just stop focusing on competitors. I yeah. really don't look at competitors. I'm not on the apps. Like I don't really care what they're doing. Yeah. The, the key for us is Why to say, just because then you start, it narrows your focus and you start, you start comparing yourself to your competitors. You naturally start copying them. It's like kind of like where you look, you go. Mm, <laughs> and okay. if you're focused on like users and their problems, you come up with more innovative solutions. And I think leaders who focus on their competitors end up just getting in a competitive mindset right. and copying their competitors. Could you see yourself, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, looking at your competitors and saying, oh, they don't have this. There's a gap that we can fill. Yeah, I just think ultimately, like whether they have it, they don't right. have it is almost irrelevant. Right. It's not, I'm not differentiating for the sake of differentiating. I'm just trying to solve user problems in the best way possible. And yeah. so when you stay focused on that, yeah, whether you're, you're doing it, be, you're copying them or you're purposely doing things that they're not, it's just like, what, like right. you don't even, you don't really need to do just that. Just focus on the users yeah, at the end exactly. of the day. Fair enough. Any regional trends you've noticed, let's say New York City versus Los Angeles, or any trends you've noticed, middle America versus the coastal elites? Yeah, uh, I don't have those types of stats off the top of my head, but we might be able to provide them for you. Yeah, anything yeah. anecdotally you've seen, you've heard? Um, I'm mostly focused right now on how we're growing in, because we just launched, we've, we've been in the US for quite a while. Um, we just launched, we're launching right now in Europe where we're seeing really tremendous growth. Um, we've gone from uh, kind of obscurity to we're now, I think, the number four um, downloaded app in, in Europe and, um, and on a really good, like the fastest growing major app in Europe. So on a really good trajectory over there, and that's kind of like where a lot of my focus is. And what do you attribute that growth in Europe to? That's interesting. I think, once again, just like a really good, solid product. And we, we got ourselves on really solid footing in our core markets, the US, UK, Canada, Australia. And then I think we were just really thoughtful about our launches in terms of translation, in terms of localization, and um, just, I think, really did our homework ahead of launches. On the product side, what's next for you? Obviously, you're expanding into new markets. What's new on the product side? AI is going to be a really sure. big uh, focus for us. It's like I think it unlocks a lot of opportunity, both in terms of effectiveness and becoming that matchmaker who can like, really deeply understand you and other people and make much more curated, targeted matches. Um, but also on trust and safety side, there's just I think there's a lot of benefit and opportunity that AI is going to create, and so we're investing a lot there right now. Also on the product side, um, you know, you can choose certain things like height, for instance, race. Um, you can choose whether someone has a postgrad degree. Any other characteristics you plan to implement? Salary, for instance, is one I've often heard. Uh, we you don't know, do a salary, but no. we do salary. We actually just released. Um, Preferences, though, around relationship type and relationship intentions, which is something that we heard from our users a lot. 
that they wanted to be able to find people who are definitely looking for a long-term relationship or op open to like more short-term relationships. So that I think is like been something that people have been asking for and that is just coming out. I know you went to Harvard Business School. Uh, talk to us about your earlier life, your upbringing, uh, and how you came to this period as an entrepreneur. Uh, so I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, I grew up as an only child. And I, I don't know, I, you know, looking back, I feel like there are a few threads in my life that ended up leading me down this path that maybe I didn't realize quite at the time. Let's see, one of them was that um, I think I was always like a romantic growing up. I was always like, I was in second grade, I had like a little girlfriend. <laughs> I think I had my first major heartbreak when I was in middle school that was like crushing to me. I was like always something that I was like gravitated towards. One was um, computers and math and programming. That's something that I really started to spend a lot. Like when I was in middle school, I started to go to nerd camp in the summer and learn how to code. And I think all of that was like, like very part of it. And I also, um, when I would turn 15, I had to get a job and my allowance, my $14 a week allowance was cut off. I originally worked in a, uh, a restaurant as a busboy and I got fired from that pretty quickly because I was not a particularly good busboy. But uh, I then started a little company that started designing websites and uh, software for local businesses around town. I'm gonna show you my Hinge profile and get your thoughts. Can we do that? <laughs> sure, yeah. We might as well screen record now. All right, not too much judgment, okay? <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I'm not exactly the hinge dating expert, per se. I'm <laughs> first impressions. But I will. First impressions. Okay, so things that we know. Okay. Great photo. Thank you. Um, is that, uh, so starting off with a, with a photo that is kind of just like, is, is like a closer in, just like your face, is usually like the best thing to start with. Fantastic. So we know that. Um, you know, photos that have you like, you know, with your head turned and sunglasses on are like a little bit harder. Okay, um, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But you're like showing yourself doing activities like skiing. There, all these photos just have you in the photo, which is generally good. Does sometimes it make me look have, lonely? I was gonna say, sometimes it's good to have like one photo showing that you have friends is very helpful. Um, let's see, you should leave a comment if you're European and or want a second home abroad. I think these are great. Okay. Change my mind about coffee is basically a bean soup. I'm witty. <laughs> uh, yeah, these are all really specific. Like, you know, my simple pleasures for a sip of a cocktail at Central Park in the summer, Trader Joe's. This gives people a lot, intense tennis match. This gives people a lot of like ways in. So I think you're doing great. Fair enough. All right, can we do some rapid fire questions with you? Yeah, sure. All right, since again, you're, you are the Hinge CEO, for men, what are your thoughts on photos with fish? I mean, if fishing is important to you, then by all means. <laughs> Fair enough. For women, are bikini photos ever a good idea? Um, we do find that having at least one photo that shows there's like a full body can be helpful for people. Best business advice you've ever received? Rapid fire? I, it's, it's what I'd said before about that process of continuous improvement and being really diligent about your principles and evolving those very consciously. Like Ray Dalio's book, like Principles, I think was like one of the most impactful books on me. And not necessarily his principles or like his way of being, but just the idea of like, writing down your management algorithm and constantly refining it and being really specific and transparent about it. Well, how are you going to refine it in the future? I mean, what do you see on the horizon for yourself? Tons, and so that, that process actually um, was really instructive for me. I started documenting like sort of the, the Hinge principles slash my principles as a leader at Hinge. I would share that in a Google Doc with everyone at the company. People could freely you know, comment on it and we'd have debates in the margin about 
you know, how this principle should shape up. We eventually published a, like an internal cultural book called How We Do Things, which was a sort of once that started to sort of crystallize, we did that. And then that was in 2020, and we're about to release a new version of, of that because we've continued to learn things and continue to scale and grow as a company. Are you able to share what the next evolution of principles will be? Uh, yeah, I can share what the next evolution of principles will be. One is um, Love the Problem. It's about innovation, and that innovation comes from like deeply, deeply, deeply understanding a problem first before jumping to solutions. And once you have a underst deep understanding of that problem, you're willing to continue to fail and iterate because you ultimately believe in like the long-term thesis, and that's where innovation comes from. So that's that one. Uh, another is keep it simple in terms of solutions. We often overcomplicate solutions or try to create too many goals, and we've always found that doing few things better is better than trying to do a lot of things in a mediocre way. So that like ruthless prioritization focus is something that we really focus on. Um, so that's one. Another is, uh, is kind of a meta principle, but it's decide with principles. It's this idea of that we, all of our decisions should be rooted in principles and not on arbitrary personal decisions. People should sort of understand why you as a leader are making a set of decisions or when you do a project, you should upfront align on what are our basic assumptions and principles that will define how we're gonna make decisions during this, during this project. Um, and then the final one is tend to trust and it's just about how critical trust is in building bridges and collaboration across the organization when you're trying to move as a kind of like a startup and move fast and quickly. We want to delegate and give people autonomy and ownership while at the same time ensuring that they're doing the work to build trust and buy-in for what they're doing across the organization. Do you still consider yourself a startup? Yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we're still only 300 people. Well, you know, we're not 10,000. Not shabby. It's not a small number. Yeah, but I think we're still small enough that we can be, we can still be evolving a lot and be innovating. And we still just have like one core product, which is the, the, our dating app. And so I think, I, I mean, as much as I can keep us thinking like a startup, I think the better. For sure. Uh, in terms of innovation, certainly. Uh, any growth numbers you can share, whether it's revenue, valuation, anything of that nature, any financial metrics? Yeah, so we went from um, less than a million dollars in revenue in 2017 to we're projecting to do about 400 million this year, uh, which is a, like I think in the fourth quarter, uh, yeah, we're, we're expecting to do um, well over 40, almost 50% revenue growth. We are uh, setting up a date every Two sec about every two seconds now, um, and we are we're the number three dating app globally. Ebb and flow. One question I did want to ask before we wrap things up. Um, certainly, as someone, and I can speak anecdotally, who uses dating apps, uh, you know there can often be this sense of dating fatigue where you're swiping continuously. Um, and I know you're very much focused on quality on boost and engagement you say moving forward so how do you ensure that your users aren't suffering from dating fatigue or these movements where they're like okay enough is enough i'm deleting the app or even if they do how do you get them to come back onto the platform from a business side yeah and that's i mean it's something that we definitely think about and seeing you know helping our users find success and doing it quickly so that they don't become discouraged is the like number one thing that we're focused on as a company. And that's why I'm actually really excited about what's possible with AI. We've been iterating on that and getting diminishing returns over time. And I think AI is gonna provide like a whole new boost and a whole new suite of tools that are gonna allow us to get to know people much better and make the process more efficient. And as cold as the word efficient is when it comes to dating, ultimately we're trying to get you to have to do less work and go through fewer people to find your person and move off faster. And so I think that is actually gonna be like a really 
important tool for us to be able to, to um, help people find their person faster yeah. and reduce burnout. And because you, you, you know, your end goal is to get people off the platform faster, um, I would assume that the drop-off rate is high. But I'm also curious then how often you see users return in when they unfortunately do break up. Do, they, yeah. do you find them coming back to Hinge again? Uh, yeah, certainly yeah. there's a lot of people who come in and re-sign up. And not necessarily that's bad. We're all on a dating journey, sure. especially people who are 19 or 20. Like they're going to, yeah, they're going to find someone. They're going to date for a while. They're going to learn something about themselves. A lot of them are very happy they had that relationship. And then and then they will like end up back on Hinge. And I don't think that's necessarily like a a bad thing. People are just going through their, their journeys. But yeah. do you think that it's a testament to the product that they are returning to the place? You where know, they found, found like, a right, good where relationship they found a good relationship, time. right? Yes, certainly. I mean, yeah. I think that we, that Hinge is definitely, I think, like the most trusted app when it, out there when it comes to like reliably finding your person. Well, if I meet my person on Hinge, I might ask you to officiate the wedding. Okay, so well, do be do be on standby. <laughs> I've been invited to a lot of weddings yet. No one's asked me to officiate yet, so I'm, I will gladly take the honor. 